0: If you have been following us, we have been using the book of Jonah, starting from chapter 1, 2, and now we are in to talk about and explain this series. So Jonah chapter 3, and I'll be reading from verse 1 to 5. The book of Jonah chapter 3, as I read from verse 1 to 5. I read, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, the great city, and preach, it unto, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days' journey. Verse 4, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Once again, the title of our series is, It's Time to Get Serious with God. Today, we are going to part 3. And the title of this part three is The Second Time. Tell somebody beside you. Second time. The second time. I'm just going to do a very fast and quick recap of what we did last week. Last week, we look into chapter two in the book of Jonah, uh, whereby Jonah was in the belly of the fish, was swallowed by the fish. And while inside the belly, he cried unto God, he acknowledged God. And in the process of acknowledging God, he, you know, also acknowledged the major three attributes of God that we've been talking about. Which is, uh, God knows all things, God has all power, and God is everywhere. At the end, God had mercy on Jonah. The fish vomited Jonah onto a dry land. Also last week, we now look into the meaning of cast into the deep. Uh, we define that as a situation where you begin to cry or to seek for help. We also talked about how to get or how people get cast into the deep by saying that, you know, uh, you can't run away from God. Uh, you cannot disobey God. If you try to disobey God, uh, God will castrate a situation that will expose you. And that's established the sufferingness of God. Um, From there, we move on to the wilderness experience. And um, whereby we use, you know, the two business sale technique to describe how Satan operates. And we talk about coming out of that wilderness and finally the mercy of God. So, that's where we stop. So, today we'll continue. Now, those who take God seriously... Would take sin seriously i want you to take your mind back to maybe some times ago when somebody have said something like this i am not going to repeat this the second time when somebody says something like this is the second time i am telling you this normally what is the countenance of that person once you hear that statement? Does it look smiley, welcoming, and you are ready to hug the person? No. It's very, very dry, very, very frank nature. You know that that person means something. And that person is trying to reecho something. And if you remember, one of the things I said last week is, when you are a believer, God will discipline you out of love. For unbelievers, it's a different ball game. They will reap anything, the consequences of their actions. But, here is where I'm going. In our Bible reading today, if you have followed, in verse 1 and 2, God came unto Jonah the second time. The Bible clearly established that. So, this means God had to speak to Jonah a second time. Which means there has been a first time that God has spoken to him. And that was when he decided, no, I'm going to run away from God. Now, As a believer, (laughs) when God comes to you to speak to you the second time, it means a lot of things. And this is where I want you to listen very well. Anytime you read the Bible and you see the second time, the second time, the God or the Bible is trying to establish something. So, what do we mean by the second time? Now, I'm going to define it in the context of the Bible, not in the grammatical meaning as, you know, it means, as we've heard. So, in the context of the Bible, when we say second time, it means one, to reestablish something that God has earlier shown. Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 11 to 13. When you go to Verse 11, and you start reading. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast seen well, for I hast my word to perform with it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time. So, God is trying to reestablish something. Another way to define the second time from the context of the Bible is a situation where God is emphasizing what is revealing. Acts chapter 10 verse 15. And the voice of the Lord spoke unto him again the second time. Another way to define that is wherever God wants an action to be repeated Because of something that is about to happen, First Kings chapter nineteen, verse seven, God was speaking to the great man of God, and He told him after he had done something. Okay, he has eaten. Elijah has eaten, and was ready to sleep again. Then the angel went the second time. That stand up, eat again. so in the context of our bible passage which we have just read which i've just read now the second time for jonah means new opportunity so the first time he didn't take god serious he suffered the repercussion by being swallowed by a fish he asked for mercy and god gave him a new opportunity Now, let's take this back to us. A lot of time, God has spoken to you and I. And for reason best known to us, for the human nature in us, we have decided not to respond. Why? Sometimes, God, out of his mercy, will come the second time to repeat that thing. Now, to further explain that, let's look into the Bible and let's talk about a few people who had the opportunity of a second time. Let's look at the Bible. The first one is Moses. When you go to Exodus chapter 2, and you start reading from verse 11, Moses killed an Egyptian. He was passing by. He saw an Egyptian that was fighting an Hebrew. Moses then was still very much in pharaoh's palace and he looked around there was nobody and he killed the man he thought he had covered it up the next day he saw another set of people fighting unfortunately for him they are his own king's men and he thought he was safe. and he wanted to you know to settle the quarry and they told him that no do you want to kill us the same way you killed somebody yesterday so moses ran away but here is where i'm going After running away into the wilderness for years, God visited him the second time. And God called him and made him a deliverer. Second example, Abraham. Abraham lied about his wife. Yet, God came back to him and described him as his friend. The third person is Peter. Peter denied Christ yet god called him the rock now god is merciful loving kind full of compassion but here is where i'm going listening unfortunately it is not all the time that god gives people the second opportunity. And I will give you an example. If we go into the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11, we start reading about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. What happened? The Bible made us to understand that they lied. And they died instantly. You see? You and I should be happy that A lot of time when we lie, such kind of things does not happen. Because I'm not sure if anybody will be here. A lot of time we take God for granted. Because, you see, God is a God of vengeance. And somehow, in a way, the vengeance of God does not come quickly. It takes a bit of time before it comes. When you go to the book of Psalm, Psalm 73, because most of the time, when we see the wicked people doing wickedness, you and I sometimes feel very frustrated. But then, when you look into the Bible, you have an understanding of where God is coming and what will be the consequences that those people will experience. David experienced that kind of a thing. Psalm 73, and I start reading from verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. A lot of time, we always say, and I'm praying. This has not happened. Somebody has not been to church. is not praying. is not doing this. Nothing is happening to that person. Hold on. Maybe this will tell you what the answer is. Let's go to verse 16. David said, When I taught to know this, it was painful to me, the same way it has been painful to us. Until I went into the sanctuary, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou casted them down into destruction. Anytime people are doing wickedness, you do not need to complain or envy. It is just a matter of time. If they do not repent, God will visit them with the consequences. Now let's go back to the man Jonah. He is one of the fortunate ones. God gave him the second time. And when God Spoke to him the second time. When you go to verse 2 of Jonah chapter 3, the Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching I will bid thee. In NIV version, you will see, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it a message. I will tell you. Anytime God comes the second time, if we are so fortunate that it comes, it comes with a message. And that message is called God's message. And that leads me to the next subtitle. So, as a believer, God will always give you an instruction. That instruction is God's message. The instructions can be in so many ways, it can come in so many mediums. It can be through the Bible. It can be through your dream. It can be through the pastor. It can be through situation that is happening around you. But one thing is that instruction is called a message. And God's message always gives you two edges. The one side, you can obey. One side, you can disobey. But bear in mind. That when this message comes, whether you obey or you choose to disobey, you cannot run away from God, whichever one you decide to do. Because those three things about God will forever be established. He has power over all things. He knows all things. He's everywhere. And when God gives you an instruction, you see, a lot of time as human beings, we try to resist this. Or we kind of complain, oh, maybe it's an instruction to do something. Can I really do this? But the thing is this, irrespective of the challenges or difficulties that may be in the instruction that God is giving to you and I, one thing you should know is this, God will never tell you to do something or instruct you to do something that is above your capacity. Let's open our Bible to the book of First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And I read, No temptation has overtaken you, except such that is common to man. So when you go through any situation, when God is guiding you or giving you an instruction to do something, God has already known that you can undo it. I know trials and temptations and challenges You know, it's not that easy when they come. But the thing is, when they happen, the fact that you are still alive shows that it's not going to consume you. It may shake you a little bit left and side, left and right, but it won't take you away. What do we need to do when God gives us a message? Just follow the instruction. Do what he asks you to do. The thing is, the first time, talking about the man Jonah again, he probably has forgotten that the message that God gave to him is not his own message. It's God's message. And when God gives you a message, what you and I most of the time forget is that that message carries authority. Unfortunately, a lot of times, you try, and I also try, and we all try to rationalize The message of God. The instructions of God. And you know what? The Bible says, because the foolishness of God is what? Wiser than man. The weakness of God is stronger than man. All you need to do anytime God gives you an instruction through any medium that I've mentioned or anyone that I've said earlier, or in any way God speaks to you, just obey. Take delight in that instruction. One of my favorite Bible passages is the book of Sam. The very first chapter of Psalm, from verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor seated in the seat of scornful, but take his delight in the law of the Lord, And in the law, he meditates day and night. Vastery is excellent. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither. And anything that he does, it will what? It will prosper. Jonah decided to do otherwise from the message that God gave to him. Did they prosper? No. It met a lot of challenges. One of the reasons why you and I are having a lot of challenges is sometimes because we try to rationalize God, we go the other way. And when you go to the other way, you are acting contrary to the word of God as established in that Psalm 1. So you won't prosper. And when you don't prosper, it becomes problems. So, in order to prosper, in order to do that word as has been given to you, what do we need to do? We need to obey the word of God. So that takes me to my next subtopic: obeying the word of God and its effects. Let's go back to Jonah chapter 3. In chapter 3, Jonah decided to obey the word of God. And the only way you can obey the word of God, using Psalm chapter 1 to explain that, is you take the light in it, and you study it. So, Jonah obeyed, went out, and gave the message of God to the people of the and God True aim also gave those people a second chance. You see, this is one of the reasons why you and I cannot fail. Sometimes, somebody is waiting for a message from you. Somebody is waiting for a word from us. Somebody is waiting for a word of encouragement from us. Somebody out there is just waiting for our short prayer. And when we do it, the person will be saved, healed, given hope, delivered. But, are we really delivering this message of hope that God has given to you and I? Some people will not manifest until you manifest. And when you do not, you have somehow tied down those people. Let me digress a little bit. Sometimes the set of people that God wants to use us to bring into his vineyard, we end up sending them away by the way we present things and handle things. Even when God has given us a clear message, a lot of times we have forgotten that it is not my message. It is not our message. It is the message of God. And there is something exciting about this man, Jonah, which I want us to look into. When Jonah started ministering in that town, after obeying eventually, have you settled down to ask yourself, if you have read through the book of Jonah before, that what did he say that made the old town to repent? He was just saying one thing. Now, let's come back to Jonah, to you and I. If a man is just saying one thing, and the old town decides to repent, I'm sure you and I have said more to people, but yet we've not been able to transform them, or bring them into the house of God, or into the vineyard of God. So, what are we doing wrong? Why did Jonah went to Nineveh to tell them yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now assuming Jonah went to that place and start saying or condemning them outrightly and start quoting Genesis to Revelation. Do you think he will convert one person? No way. I'm sure the people will have told him Hang on, mate. Do you want to impose your own lifestyle on us? Who sent you here? Now, here lies in one of the problems you and I and the church have. Often, most of the time, what we emphasize is what we are against rather than what we stand for. And that's why a lot of people in the society say the church, see you and I, as people who want to come and impose something upon them. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we should settle down for anything that the society believes, which is contrary to the word of God. But what I'm saying is, the manner and the way in which we present our message to people really matters a lot. Yesterday, when we were in the retreat, one of our guest speakers said something which is very important. That, do you know that people have to belong before they believe? People do not believe and now belong. But a lot of time, you and I will do it the other way around. We want them to believe before they belong. That is why I'm saying that, you know, as a child of God, when God gives you a message an instruction, just go and do exactly what He have said in its simplicity. For people in the church, it's a different board game, because you're already here. That's why when I was explaining this topic, I said, you know what? If you are a child of God, God is going to discipline you out of love. If you are somebody there and not saved in the outside of society, it's a different thing. The repercussion of what you are doing, you will definitely reap that one. And that's clearly established when you go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. And I will read it from the New King James Version. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil things. This is Paul talking here. That, you know what? When God gives you a message of hope to somebody, go and deliver it in its simplicity. You are now meant to judge those people, leave those people to God. Those in the family, aha, that's a different thing. Because there is an expectation from you and I, because you are different from people outside. And this made me to understand one of the reasons why God has written in his word that judgment will start where from the house of God. Because you are supposed to know. know. A lot of times we often think that people outside there, they don't have an idea of what we mean by moral values. They do. And that's why most of the time when we misrepresent Christ to them, it backsfire. Why did I say that? When we started chapter 1 of this series, I mentioned people in the society and in the Bible that tried to hide away from God, tried to do something secretly, but eventually it was opened and their life and career family was almost destroyed. But one thing you will notice is after the whole thing came to the open, they now admitted it, which means they do have moral value. By the way of their conscience. Another way to explain that is this. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews ten sixteen, That this is the covenant I will make with thee after these days. Said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their mind will I write them. God's laws are written in the hearts of people. So, which means, under normal circumstances, we all know what is right or wrong, whether you are inside the church or outside the church. So, in a way, people that we think are not saved, they know what is right and not wrong. But the only thing is, they have just not accepted it. What am I trying to say? That going forward... Let's talk more about what we stand for and stand for it. Let's reconsider the ways we put our message across to people with the intention of bringing them to Christ, but technically drawing, pushing them away. There is no need for argue. You state your position. According to the word of God, this is what I believe in. Simple. You believe otherwise okay fine but well, this is what i stand for and make it clear no arguments that way then you can pass a message across to somebody reasonable than saying you as i'm looking at you you're going to hell well maybe god has sent some people to deliver message in that way But were you sent to deliver yours in that way? No. The people of Nineveh were given a simple message and immediately they turned around. The gospel of Christ is very simple, highly effective, and powerful. God is compassionate. And when that simplicity is opened up to people. They experience God in a new way. When God gives you an instruction. And you take it in his simplicity. And you begin to follow it like a child. You know what he told his disciples. When they were asking him. And they saw some little little boys playing around Jesus. And they said you little boys. He said no. Just leave them. If all of us have the heart of these little ones, life with Jesus will be easy. If you see a little child run to this place, what happens? He throws his hands. He wants you to carry him or her. He doesn't care whether you can or you cannot. But because you and I try to approach God from the point of intellectual point of view, They said I should pray to anointing (laughs) Hey, Is the anointing not the solution to this problem now? You are trying to question the mystery of God. But what you do not know that is a God of compassion. Where am I going? Stepping into Jonah chapter 3 when you start going from verse 8, 9, 10. What happened? Those people repented god had compassion upon them you and i do not need to worry about what we need to tell people when god gives us an instructional message to people out there the message is the message of god it is not your message you just need to deliver it in the simple way that it has been given to you now let's take this back into our lives The instruction God will give to you is very simple. Just the same way it was given to Jonah. Go to this place. And God is telling somebody here, do this. Forsake this. Very simple instructions. But will you take him seriously? Will I take him seriously? Will I obey those instructions? Will I trust him? when we all decide to obey those simple instructions, God will turn, just the same way he turned from the people of Nineveh. And he will repent from some of the anger that he has reserved because of our actions. And we will not perish. So, my message to you in summary today is, When God gives you a message, don't try to manipulate it. Obey it as he has given it to you, whether as an instruction to you or whether as a message to somebody else whom you are trying to bring into the house of God. Talk about the simplicity and leave the rest to God. When Jonah obeyed and talked in just lines of simplicity according to the instructions of God, what begins to happen? The old town turn around. And when you and I decide to do according to what God has commanded us, just follow it blindly. You see most of the time, I used to tell myself something. I've been following God, trying to be wise, and things have not actually happened. For once, let me be a fool. And for once. Why don't you decide to be a fool and see what will happen there is a saying that you can't keep doing the same thing the same way and you're expecting the different results two plus two will always be four until you had another two that's when it will become six so as you are listening to me i want you to begin to reflect What are the things I've been doing in a particular way that God has given me simple instructions but I have not followed? Begin to commit those things to God. First, let's start with ourselves. that, Lord, come and help me. Come and break me down. Come and deal with me so that I can begin to follow your simple instructions. As you are doing that, if you are here and you are not really sure you've given your life to Christ, this is an opportunity. I want you to begin to confess your sins. You are in the right place today and God is ready to save you. And I want you to repeat after me as you have confessed your sin. Father, Lord, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for forgiving me my sins. I come into your presence today. Lord, deliver me. I invite you into my life. Take over my life in the name of Jesus. And make me a better person and so shall it be for you in jesus name all of us let's begin to confess our sins everywhere we've disobeyed the simple instructions of god let's ask that god will have mercy and forgive us in jesus name we've asked for forgiveness let's stand up in the presence of god as we go into our prayer session and i want you to lift up your voice that father grant me repentance repentance. leading to a personal relationship with you in the name of Jesus. Yes, Father, Lord, grant me repentance leading to a personal relationship with you in the name of Jesus. I've disobeyed enough. Now, Lord, I want to come back home. Father, grant me repentance that will lead to a personal relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Anything in me Fighting my relationship with God. Release me and be destroyed. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Anything in our lives. Fighting our relationship with God. Release us now. And be destroyed. Is it sin? Is it bad habits? Yes. Release us now. And be destroyed. Yes. Mention the name of that thing. Anything that is fighting my relationship with God. Release me and be destroyed. In Jesus name. Let every strong one of the enemy. Barricade in my mind. From receiving from the Lord. Be put down. In the name of Jesus. Let every strong one of the enemy. Barricade in my life. From receiving from the Lord. Be put down. Be put down. Be put down. Yes. In the name of Jesus in jesus name we pray i tear down and smash every struggle of deception keeping me in the enemy's camp in the name of jesus yes i tear down and i smash every struggle of deception that is keeping me in the enemy's camp in the mighty name of jesus i tear it down and i smash it any form of deception. giving me in the enemy's camp. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Amen. Father, Lord, I pray for everyone here. That Lord, any internal enemy in our lives that does not want us to believe in the simple instructions that you've given to us. Father, let such enemies come out of our lives and be destroyed in the name of Jesus. From today, Father, we pray that the grace to follow your message, to follow your instruction, let it come down upon our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask for your mercy this afternoon. If there's anyone here that has been suffering from the consequences of not following your instruction, Daddy, let your mercy prevail today in the name of Jesus. Let them be delivered by your mercy in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we are prayed.